Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash audible and get your first book for free. Registration is now open for SEJ Summit 2017. Taking place May 11th at Chicago's Navy Pier, we'll have leading speakers in digital marketing, SEO, social media, and more. Use code NERD for $50 off any ticket type. Learn more at our website, searchenginejournal.com. Hi everyone, welcome to the first ever episode of Search Engine Nerds, rebranded from Marketing Nerds. We decided to narrow down our focus and talk with some of the smartest minds in SEO, PPC, and search trends to give you even more tools and insights that you need to dominate in today's competitive marketplace. On this episode, I'm talking with Zef Snap. Zef is the founder of Altura Interactive. They provide Spanish SEO and website development for companies all around the world. In this episode, we're talking about best practices in creating Spanish versions of websites. Without further ado, here's Zef. Zef, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I know today we were going to talk about um, when companies should decide to create a Spanish version of their website. And I'm going to play super ignorant here because I probably kind of am because I've never had to do this with a client or with my own website. So I'm just going to ask, you know, some pretty basic questions, but I think it'll be pretty useful, especially because I think it's something that a lot of people don't think of um, probably before it's too late. Sure. I'm glad to answer whatever questions I can. Awesome. All right. So I think the biggest one to start out with is, um, in your opinion, you know, does a company have to be serving certain countries or have clients in specific countries before even considering a Spanish version of their site? Well, so usually there there are two reasons that people reach out to to Spanish speakers and create Spanish versions of their websites. And the first one is they want to reach a domestic market that speaks another language as their as their primary language, or they want to expand to international markets. Uh, the companies that we work with are generally already very successful in their primary language before they they move to Spanish. So that's the first thing is you want to make sure that you're shored up, that you're that you're feeling good about about where you are on the English side or in or in your home language before you expand into the next one. Uh, unless your product is something that's very specific that's going to be just for Spanish speakers, which is also something we've run into. The the most important thing about this is that you want to do your initial research first. You want to make sure that there's an audience uh, for for your product and for your service. Uh, bef- before you get in. So that means doing extensive keyword research. And, and that's something that generally speaking, you want to have a, uh, someone specialized do for you. Because even if you know some of the keywords, you can get a general idea, but it's going to be hard for you to understand the long tail and the the places besides Google where where they might be searching for your types of products and services. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, if you're still having problems with the native language version of your site, then maybe fix those before embarking on a Spanish version. Precisely. And, and actually, what's funny is that that ends up happening to us a lot is where people will come to us and say, hey, we're ready for Spanish. We're going to get this done. Um, so, so yeah, you definitely want to have all your ducks in a row and and do a lot of planning before before you get to that stage. And, um, the, the, the planning part of it is really important, too. You want to have a style guide. 
Um, and, you know, basically to understand the tone and the market that you're going after, uh, the specific uh, personas that you're trying to reach. And, and that's something that we help a lot of companies build. Sometimes they have it in English and we, we adapt that to the Spanish language. Uh, but sometimes so we're, we're building it from scratch just, just for Spanish. But it's really important too because in Spanish there are different forms of address. And so depending on what countries you're trying to reach and what markets you're going after, you're going to want to use formal language versus informal. And uh, you know, unfortunately what happens in some cases you end up with confusion and you might have both forms of address on the same website, which is inappropriate. Yeah, I think there's tons of little nuances like that, that if you aren't based in the country, you just don't know about. And that was something I wanted to ask you about, too. You know, whenever you are getting a Spanish version of your site, does does it need to have completely new content written in Spanish? Or, you know, is it just a translator that comes in and adapts what you already have? Well, so the first thing is, is you want to be working with uh, with a search and, and a digital marketing agency to help you get the setup. There are some things that are going to be appropriate for just like a straight translation. Like if you're looking at product pages and pricing pages and things like that, you know, those are going to be a little bit easier to just do a direct translation of. Uh, but, but we, we prefer if you're, if you're looking at blog posts, uh, video, uh, even your even your like full blown service pages and things like that, you want to use a process called transcreation, and and this is basically a, a translation is is something that's direct, right? And and most translators are paid by the words, so their their efficiencies they want to get this done as quickly as possible. So they're going to give you a literal translation of what it is of what of what you have in English. And the problem with that is that that doesn't generally. Um, uh, convey the mood and the brand that you have. And a lot of times can actually be inaccurate. People are going to use the, the wrong word because they're just doing a little translation. When you transcreate, you take the spirit of the thing and you're, you, you, you take the understanding of that and you create something based on it that's new. So you don't lose what you have in English or, or in your language of origin. And, and you keep that as you come into new markets and new countries. And so transcreation, I think, is the process that, uh, that at least that's, that's what we call it, is, is uh, what, what you need to be on the lookout for. If you, because at the end of the day, your website is supposed to make you money. And the best way for you to improve your conversion rate is going to do, be to have content that, that speaks directly to these people who, who speak this other language. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. I've, I've seen, you know, bad examples out there of when a company tries to go into another country and they don't do that, you know, put that work into it ahead of time and then their message totally gets jumbled or maybe slang means something different, you know, in that country versus, you know, here or wherever it might be not a bad word or nothing bad. So, I mean, I think bad translation can kill a website. I mean, if because it makes it seem like they don't care enough or they don't know enough about their customer. Precisely. And and in those situations, I mean, you're you're basically better off not doing it at all if you're going to do it that if it's going to be uh, a a poor version of it because people are going to like, if you have a good version in English, even if they don't completely understand it, they're going to assume, you know, they're going to assume that you know what you're doing. But if you, if you do a poor translation, they're, they're basically going to see it and say, uh, the, these guys, you know, don't have a clue. And, and so, so you're better off not doing it at all. Um, and you know, like, uh, like I was saying about the forms of address, right? If, if, uh, if we come to a page and it has informal and formal, 
or, you know, like the verbs are conjugated incorrectly, you know, on, on the homepage, which is something that we've seen, then it just gives a poor impression of, of your knowledge base. So you definitely want to shore that up first. And, and, uh, for, for companies that have already created Spanish language, uh, uh, pages. We've we've done quite a few content audits where we've gone through and and fixed all this stuff, and we've seen a jump in conversion rates just from that. Yeah, that I think that would be helpful. What do you do if um, a company is in a really specific niche that is a specialized type of industry? I don't know, and so it would have you know certain phrases that you might not know. Like I don't, I'm trying to think of something yep. really technical. Um, medical for yeah. But worked in both of those. We actually have our our uh, our operations manager. Okay, so what do you do when the client's industry is really technical and it you know you need a specialized knowledge of making sure that the wording is correct, um, like a engineering firm or oil or something like that. Well, so those we've actually done. We we cut our teeth in technical work. I mean, we've we've worked on projects. Uh, all the way from like construction machinery to things like oil and gas and and even medical terms. And, and the first thing is, is you have to do a lot of research. And that's why we create the style guide beforehand. So part of the style guide is when we're using terminology, we would use this term, but not this term. Uh, and, and creating those kinds of lists where where we can give the client feedback and say, well, these are the terms that we found. What is what is what works best for you? And usually that give and take results in in uh, you know uh, a creation of a style guide that's that's precise. Uh, we we recently had uh, a client in the insurance space where where we were working on something like this, and and for compliance reasons they couldn't use specific terminology, and and they could use other other words. So. So th- yeah, this is definitely something you want to keep an eye on, especially if you're in one of those fields. But even if you aren't, right? Like the the thing that's most important is maintaining your brand and and maintaining the the type of voice that that you want to that you want people to to get from from your content. And so if if you don't have that basis of of a style guide and an understanding, then it's going to be very difficult to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um speaking more to the technical side of SEO and digital marketing are there besides um hreflang which i'm sure you know most people hopefully are aware of is the you know the best practices for seo does that change for spanish websites or other language versions so one of the great things about working in other languages is that you have opportunities that don't exist in english for example we noticed in the last few months a significant uptick in in um in seeing the answer boxes in, in the SERPs, right? That's something that didn't exist before uh, very often. And it's, it's still fairly limited in Spanish as well. But what ends up happening is, is that uh, since, since the SERP is a little bit further behind, if you're doing things that are that are more up to date, like structured data and setting yourself up for an- answer boxes, you're more likely to succeed. Uh, as as far as like the the best practices themselves, they don't change too much, uh, but you can get away with a lot more in in other languages than than you can in in English. Um, the the other question that people ask a lot as far as that goes is, well, do I need a CCTLD? Do I need to do a, a separate subfolder or a subdomain? You know what's what's the best strategy, and of course the the answer is it depends. Uh, it depends uh, on your situation. Aleda Solis actually wrote a post for Moz, I think it was like a year ago. That's basically like a decision tree that helps you figure out like how how you ought to play that. 
And uh, with hreflang, there, there are other great resources. Many companies have now built hreflang validators and, and creators, including us. Uh, so you, you, can, you can go in and make sure that you're getting the language country um, uh, markup correct so that, so that it ensures that, that you're showing up correctly. Yeah, because sometimes it's really confusing, um, just the little nuances of what's required to make sure that it all works. So there's definitely a learning curve there. Oh, for sure. And what ends up happening, too, is that, uh, like, I mean, the, the, the CCTLDs, I think the, the, the situation where it's most important to have the CCTLDs is if you're going to have physical locations in these specific countries, right? In, in those situations, like a CCTLD is, is, is very necessary. But, the, but, but there are situations, especially when you're, you're proving a concept and you're testing something out or if you have a virtual product where you can get by with, with a subfolder or a subdomain and, and that way you don't have to worry about uh, all, the, all, all the CCTLDs and controlling those separately. But that, that being said, you know, if, you're, if you're a big enough con- company that you can afford it or, or that, it's, that it's a priority for, you think it's down the line, you should definitely go out and buy as many of your own CCTLDs as you can so that somebody else doesn't take them from you. Yeah, I think that's something a lot of people forget about for sure. Um, one thing that I thought of while we were talking um, I know, and I can't even think of a specific example, but sometimes Google tests things in other countries besides um, the U.S. Is Have you ever come across that where maybe search results are different or you can tell that they're testing how they display stuff? Well, so one, one thing that, that we've seen a lot is, is how they treat CCTLD specifically uh, in, in Spanish. It's... it's um, because the the issue is is you know how do you make a decision as to what should rank in a country other than the CCTLD, right? So like a lot of people here will uh, the the .com is is the most desirable. So if you can find your keyword or your brand .com, then you're going to start with that even if you're going after Spanish speaking countries. But then there are other companies that use the .es, which should be for Spain or .co that should be for Colombia for you know all of all of Spanish language or in the case of .co for any company anywhere in the world and and then you have the ones that are like you know Ecuador um, you know like what what sites from Ecuador should rank in other countries and I know a lot of SEOs in Latin America who get frustrated by it because they see these these uh, incorrect CCTLDs ranking where they shouldn't you know so like seeing a site from Spain ranking in Peru. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's very interesting to, to watch a Google try and sift that out and decide what situation the CCTLD should have some weight and what, where, where it shouldn't. And it's, it's certainly not something that they've figured out yet. Like, uh, from, from what we can tell they're, 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 they're trying, but it, but it hasn't, uh, they definitely haven't gotten the formula down yet because you'll see like used car sites from Spain ranking in Ecuador and, you know, so so, uh, you know, where, where they can't buy them. Or, or, you know, you try and b- buy a car part and, you know, like here in Mexico and it's from a, from a site, you know, in, in Peru. Uh, so, so it's, it, there, there, there's definitely a ways to go on that. That, that makes me think of a question too. And I, I guess we're kind of veering a little off topic, but, um, you know, there's not really a penalty or a filter or anything right now from Google if you don't have hreflang on your site, right? I mean, I would think that'd be na- a natural thing to eventually happen. 
Well, so the reason that hreflang came about is it was basically a way for people to avoid a duplicate content penalty, right? So if you, let's say you do service, let's say you're Domino's, right? And you service every country in Latin America. Well, your homepages and your subpages are all going to look a lot alike, right? They're all going to have very, very similar text. And so how is Google going to know that this is not duplicate content, that in fact, like this content is for specific countries? And that's why they came up with the hreflang markup. It's, it's to define for them which pages should be served in which occurrence. So it it's actually a thing where, yeah, like if you created subpages that were in English for every country in the world, you're probably going to get – and you didn't put up hreflang for it. You're probably going to get penalized for duplicate content because you're going to have the same page in 167 times or something like that. Um, so, so that's the kind of penalty that you could see that would be uh, be, because you didn't use the specific markup. But uh, really, what it's supposed to do is is that is is show the correct page with the correct information for that specific instance. So it might be there are countries too where people speak more than one language, right? Uh, so a good example is is the Netherlands, right? There are people who speak Dutch, there's people who speak German, and there are people who speak French. And so, you know, you might be a Dutch company that has a website and you want to serve just the Netherlands, but you have to have those three instances. So you'd have to have the, and, and maybe you want to do an English as well, right? So you have four instances just to serve one country. So if you didn't serve up the hreflang correctly in that instance, then yeah, you know, you're, you're probably not going to rank as well for for the for for the keywords that are of interest to you. Yeah, that's a good way to explain it because I I knew its purpose, but I just wondered what the long standing implications were if it, you know if you weren't using it correctly. So oh yeah, and and the other part of that that's that's kind of interesting too is there are instances where you don't need it, right? Like if your if your content is significantly different in another language. And you have it on a separate CCTLD or even in a in a subdomain. We've seen instances where people are ranking perfectly for for their terms without having hreflang marked up. Hmm. It's always good to co cover your bases, but but you know if if your content is different enough, it's not completely necessary, right? Like there have been situations where we didn't audit and we looked and we said, yeah, you don't have it marked up, but you probably don't need it because you're doing just fine without it. Um, and then we've seen instances where where they have been doing as well, and you apply it, and and it helps. So um, it it sucks to say it depends, but it depends. <laughs> yeah, that, and that can be frustrating, I'm sure. Um, okay, so you know we're we're kind of wrapping up here. I I always like to ask this, and just think of this as a little coffee chat between just us gals. But I wanted to know, even though you're not a gal, but I wanted to know if you have any horror uh, stories of, you know, Spanish version sites gone wrong. Maybe it, it's a new client that came to you that needed help or, uh, you know, and their previous agency totally biffed it or they didn't know what they were doing and they biffed it themselves. Oh, man. Well, I mean, we've we've had... That's actually, uh, if, if you ever look at my slide share, I, sh I share examples of translation failures all the time, and they're, they're really funny, um, sad and funny. But uh, the, I guess I'll, I'll give you a, a negative and, and a positive. Like the, okay. the, the negative is, is a situation where you know, we had someone who was like supposed to be the primary filter. He was fully bilingual, was, you know, and, and they, they asked us to kind of do a checkup and an audit. And I was, I was doing, I was going to present it as a pitch deck. And I, I, you know, I said to him, I was like, Hey, you want to take a look at this stuff? Cause we found some things you might want to know about. 
uh, before before your your boss looks at me. He's like, no, no, we'll be fine. I asked him again, you know, I was like, you know, this this is stuff you might want to look at, you know, right, you know, and then he's like, no, no, right before the meal, I'm like, are you sure you don't want to see my deck before we get started? <laughs> he's like, no, 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 we're okay. And I showed, I, you know, I went through and I showed all these mistakes that they had made, you know, uh, tenses and and forms of address and just poor text and, you know, images with like, just like four blonde people in them and, you know, like, uh, these really kind of just insensitive ways of, of, uh, of working. And, um, the, the, the company was delighted. They hired us for, for, for a, a big contract, but unfortunately our contact was fired, uh, two weeks later. Um, wow. so, so, uh, you know, like, uh, what you don't know can, can, uh, can really come back to bite you. And, uh, I guess a positive example is, uh, we, we had a really positive experience uh, we've, we've worked with Shopify for, for a long time and it was really gratifying. We were putting together some numbers for them. So they actually never asked us for reporting or anything like that. Um, but we saw, we worked with them for, for three years on, on this one specific project. And as we're putting it together, we saw in, in the first year, we saw you know, 150% growth of organic traffic. And, and this is just from creating content in Spanish and managing social media, just doing things the way you ought to. And, the, the second year we saw a lift of 400% and I was like, wow, that's pretty good. And the third number I had to go back and check because I was, I was like, guys, like there's no way this is right because traffic had, had increased by 2,400% or something like that. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, so, so th this is one of those things where, you know, like another language might not be like a huge part of your business when you get started, but if you keep at it and you're consistent and you create great things, uh, you know, you, you you build great content, as it were, and and uh, and good things can happen for you. Yes, that's awesome, and I love Shopify. They're easy to use, so that's good that it worked out for them, and you guys were able to help them. Absolutely. So, well, um, I think that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much, and um, I appreciate it. And I'm sure, you know, people will see you around online. We'll link to your Twitter and your website and everything. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for being on. That's my pleasure, Kelsey. Thank you so much for having me. And if there's anything I do to help anybody, as you say, I'm on Twitter as AdZefSnap, and our website is alturainteractive.com. Thank you. Again, this is Kelsey Jones with Search Engine Journal. <laughs>